if you want to get the biomass you really need for the meat production, only 10% of the whole meat production worldwide, you really need a lot of tanks. You need a high productivity. You need high cell numbers because you lose so much during the differentiation process. Hey, smart scientists. Welcome to another episode on the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast. Are you developing a cultivated meat process or are you just wondering whether we would be able to supply the world market one day? Then you are at the right spot because today we're talking about media development for the cultivated meat market and we're going to look at ways that will enable us to drive down costs. So today I'm having a conversation with Bea Talman, who is a passionate innovator and serial entrepreneur and he works in cell line development and cell culture media development. He has a lot of experience in the cultivated meat market and he knows all the hurdles in cell-based production processes and the angles to overcome them. Are you juggling the complexities of CMC development while trying to enjoy the beauty of biotech? Have you ever wondered if there's a way to simplify bioprocessing? Welcome to the Smart Biotech Scientist Podcast, where we're diving headfirst into the very challenges you face. We're breaking it down, demystifying the jargon, and giving you the keys to unlock your full potential. I'm your host, David Brolman, and I get it. With 15 plus years in the biotech industry, I face the same challenges you do. There's a way to simplify and streamline so you can remove complexity, you can skip trials and errors, deliver without delay your groundbreaking therapy to clinics at market, and still enjoy every single step. Do you want to learn how industry experts and I did it? Grab a cup of coffee and your favorite notebook and pen. Now is the time to take your bioprocessing game to the next level. Let's smarten up biotech. Welcome, Bea, to the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast. Share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Some people do not know that I'm facetting gemstones. I'm collecting gemstones since many years, since I'm a young, small boy. And 13 years ago, I've started with facetting the gemstones by myself. Everything except diamonds, I'm facetting and cutting. And previously, I've also manufactured jewelry, especially out of silver. I'm the manufacturer guy and I like to produce stuff. And that's a common scheme in my career, actually. And how did you get from jewelry into biotech? How did this happen? It's actually connected. That's true. I've started as a chemist or let's say lab technician in chemistry. I've started apprenticeship at the ETH. The reason was I was so interested in minerals and the chemical structures and so on. I wanted to be a chemist as a child. And therefore I've started there got the opportunity to start an apprenticeship. I really was enjoying it. And after some time during the apprenticeship, I've learned uh, chemistry is a hard job. You have to synthesize every single step. And plants or fungi or even we can perform such synthesis steps quite easy with ourselves. Therefore, I wanted to move forward towards biotechnology. Today, I'm excited to talk about the cultivated meat market and media development. Um, you have worked 
many years in these sectors. So the cultivated meat market is experiencing exciting times. In 2020, Singapore became the first country to approve the consumption of cultivated meat. In 2022, Upside Foods received the US FDA green light. And in 2023, they received full regulatory approval from both the FDA and the USDA to produce and sell their cultivated chicken. Nevertheless, to meet future demand, transformations rather than incremental improvements are needed in food systems and their associated supply chains. Do you think cultivated meat is a viable alternative for our food and feed system, respectively? The short answer, yes. The long answer, it really depends. I'm really convinced that it will play a role in our food and feed system. But it really depends which product you want to produce, which cell line or cell you want to use for in the production. So in biopharmaceutical production, you simply need show cells or hex cells or other cell lines to produce in mass your product, which is most of the cases in the supernatant and you can harvest it easily. The cells are discarded. In this case, it's more like tissue engineering. Most of the companies on the agenda that they want to provide meat. So not only the cell slurry, that's the easiest thing. Then you structure it into plant-based products. What I personally think is the intermediate goal to have a plant-based structure like derived from Planted, the company in Switzerland, and then introduce fat cells, for example. This is quite viable product I see in future to remove bacon and other products, not remove, but replace, or giving an alternative to the customers. But using a process which is so extremely expensive, even the biopharmaceutical process is still expensive. The medium is expensive. And also upscale and downstream process is expensive. The bioreactors have to be calculated in the cleaning place, the labor and everything else, which is not yet really calculated in. Therefore, in 10 to 20 years, a steak is viable, but to a better price. We can't meet the current meat price because it's inflation. The price for a steak, a natural steak, should anyway increase and therefore also cultivated meat finds so-called parity in price in future hopefully but it will be viable also pet food is one thing it can be viable as well especially cat food because my cells could be used for the production of cat food that's the interesting part as well Sounds exciting. And before talking about the magic word cost, and you mentioned it expensive, let's first talk about where do you see this going in the future? It's still quite a young industry. Um, a lot of innovation is going on. What emerging trends and in innovation in the cultivated meat space do you see as a potential game changer in this? I've mentioned the biopharmaceutical industry. And these companies, the cultivated meat companies, are looking at the processes they use biopharmaceutical companies. They use dirt tanks, they use wave incubators, single-use ones. Most of the cultivated meat companies want to get rid of the single-use ones. I do not agree with that. So if you want to get 
the biomass you really need for the meat production, only 10% of the whole meat production worldwide, you really need a lot of tanks. You need a high productivity. You need high cell numbers because you lose so much during the differentiation process. So the third tank with the impeller inside is outdated for this process. It's my personal opinion. You need so much steel, need so much cooling capacity to cool down the room and everything. The first step would be the bioreactor gap to overcome the bioreactor gap. It's simply to rethink the bioreactor itself. You have the cell, you have to form the bioreactor around the cell, not using the bioreactor to cultivate a Joe cell, for example, because They've used the bioreactors from E. coli and optimized the dimensions to achieve better productivities for Joe cells to reduce RPM and so on. That's not enough for cultivated meat, I think. That's the one thing. The other thing is to recycle media, to recycle the single-use bag or the single-use bioreactor or the bioreactor in general, because cleaning place is time-intensive. It's really cost-intensive as well in certain extent. That's really one thing we should overcome and to develop methods to form this. Or another alternative is to enrich certain components like proteins, growth factors by using a bypass. The Japanese company Integriculture, for example, I simply mention it because they're only one using this technology. They use different cell types to enrich their basal medium to have enough growth factors, bulk proteins to feed their fat cells, for example. And that's an interesting point. You simply have to feed the amino acids in the or vitamins and trace elements in the system and the rest, the whole system is doing. And you can produce a lot of material out of it. It's low scale. That's why I thought to rethink the bioreactors. It's only one point you should think of. And the last point, having a cell bank, for example, that's one hurdle, an open cell bank, because we need a lot of starting material. We need a lot of different cell types. We need more companies produce more of the material if it should be a viable option for your food and feed system. And we need to have several cell banks providing materials with high quality standards. With the tool we have today, and with the equipments we have today, what are the most common hurdles that biotech scientists and engineers encounter when developing a cultivated meat production process? You have two strategies you can go. One strategy is you use immortalized cell lines. Then you have a similar process like show cells. You have an easy adaptation to serum-free medium. You have an easy adaptation to suspension. And you can go towards such a process. I assume that's a similar process what Supermeat with their chicken cell line are doing. And the other one most of the companies are doing is use stem cells to use techniques from tissue engineering to have really fragile stem cells growing microcarriers. Then they want to harvest these microcarriers, dissolve it, and then incorporate it into not a scaffold for differentiation. It's time consuming. A lot of steps are involved. The medium is really expensive. So at the beginning, think of which cell line you want or another way around which product you want to produce and then pick the appropriate cell line. I 
use the term Zerline because the first 10 years, I would say the first product in the market will be non-differentiated product. A cell slurry incorporated into a nugget, incorporated into a dumpling or something like this, simply to produce biomass. And that's the first hurdle you have to overcome. We think the product you want to produce and which cell type you really want to apply in your process. Because the cell defines your process at the end. I've mentioned suspension culture. That's it's, in my case, the only way to go for a cost-effective process. Because microcarriers are limited in space and you can't produce more. Yeah, you could use porous microcarriers, but they are not edible. And if they are edible, it's hard to reproduce them. It's really not the perfect way. And at the beginning, do not think about the bioreactor. And this defines your process at the end. So it's really, do not think about the bioreactor at the moment. Simply think what the customer wants, what product you want to mimic, and pick the right cell line. Now, the worldwide demand is huge for cultivated meat. I mean, we don't even have the bioreactor capacity, not even a fraction to supply that. So one thing that comes into my mind is scalability. So the current process you mentioned is expensive and time-consuming, and it's difficult to produce lab-grown meat on a large scale. So what are the solutions to overcome that? One thing is surely the medium. We have to reduce the cost of the medium. There are different ways. Choose the right cell line, as I've mentioned, then the complexity of the medium is low. If you have a complex stem cell and or differentiation process, or you would like to incorporate cheap raw material, let's say hydrolysates or uh, herbal extracts in your process, then also the variability of your process will increase because you introduce a complex biological component in your system. Therefore, I personally prefer chemically defined solutions because even amino acids can differ in quality from time to time, from source to source. So it's really, really hard to get a good reproducibility also for chemically defined medium. That's a lesson I've learned over the years using biopharmaceutical processes. Again, the choice of the cell line is important. Then you build around the medium. Do you want to have growth factor rich environment? Yes, you can do it, but you have to increase the price of your end product. And you have to calculate every single step inside the final costs that what many companies do are not doing. Research R&D you should include and everything. That's the main thing, the medium and at the end, the bioreactor. The easier the bioreactor is, the better. You can develop your final product inside one single bioreactor that saves so much handling costs. That would be really nice. And if it's single use, you simply Take out the cartridge, for example, with your final product, and you can put it into the warehouse or supermarket and like this. So what is today the cost of media and what can we do to bring down the cost? You said simplify media or remove certain things or make it revolutionize media. What can we do? Normally, you see the list prices of chemically defined media, but the list prices also incorporate marketing and so on. This simple production cost, simple by calculated by ingredients, can differ from at the moment if you pick the prices from low volume, if you buy in a, a small amount, not in bulk prices, you have around one to five francs or US dollar 
per liter final formulation. That's excluding filtering and so on. So it's really simply the raw material costs. You can go down here up to 0 0.2, 0 0.1, but the filter cost has to be also considered later on. But if you have a larger amount, a larger filter, the cost will go down. So I would say it will be around $1 per liter or 0 0.5, $1 per liter can be achieved, but without growth factors. The growth factors are on top. Growth factors can differ from one to 100 US dollar per liter. And it's really pro one growth factor. So you really have to think which growth factors are needed, which can I exclude or shall I introduce lot derived proteins, shall I include hydrolysates from waste materials. This is also possible. Then you can reduce other cost intensive components. Hey, smart biotech scientist. I hope you've gotten as much value out of our discussion with Bea Talman as I have. In part two of our discussion, we will be talking about media development and how we can adapt adherent meat cells to a suspension culture. So stay tuned for part two that will drop this Thursday. All right, smart scientists. That's all for today on the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast. Thank you for tuning in and joining us on your journey to bioprocess mastery. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. By doing so, we can empower more scientists like you. For additional bioprocessing tips, visit us at smartbiotechscientist.com. Stay tuned for more inspiring biotech insights in our next episode. Until then, let's continue to smarten up biotech.